Hey, hey, hey there, water coolings. Welcome to another episode of the podcast that makes you say, wait, am I about to spend the length of this episode having the greatest time of my life? Today, we get a chance to dive into 2020 with our first episode of the year talking about one of the biggest issues facing Americans in the coming decade obesity. Uh, after recording this episode, Jillian Michaels, formerly of the Biggest Loser, I believe, came out and talked about body positivity, specifically asking why people have been celebrating Lizzo's body, uh, which included many comments people kind of saw as fat shaming towards Lizzo. Uh, we don't cover that story in the episode, but I wanted to, we kind of touch on the subject of obesity and body positivity in this episode, and just to address my own personal thoughts a bit more regarding this situation. As I mentioned in this episode, and a bit of what Jillian Michaels mentions in her comment, I think it is very important to consider the health risk of being both under and overweight. I think uh, it's important when we have this discussion, we have an open discussion about this to mention both of those categories. I feel like a lot of the time when we talk about, you know, these health things related to weight, we focus on the overweight. But I think it's also important to uh, really have this conversation about underweight as well. And But uh, where I believe I want to make this very clear, but where I believe Jillian Michaels is wrong is in the fact that Lizzo never asked for her opinion on advice regarding her weight. As a male, I don't have the same experience as a female. Our guest for today's episode, Lori, discusses a bit more in depth from the female perspective, but there continues to be these unrealistic beauty standards that women uh, must obtain. And if they're unconventional in their beauty, for some reason, people think they can take aim at their appearance or demeanor. You know, Jillian Michaels gave unsolicited advice. Granted, she is at least a trainer compared to all the internet trolls out there. But at the end of the day, Lizzo is the one deciding who she wants to be. Let her focus on her own health. If she asks for advice, give her advice. But us as fans, let's focus on her as an artist, what we pay money to support her in. But to today's episode, I was nearing the end of a nasty flu, so my uh, my voice is going to sound a bit like death in this episode. Uh, just a fair warning, but we were lucky enough to be joined by my aunt, Lori Krause. We get a chance to discuss the world of hair and how best to deal with bad haircuts. Quick tip, it is not shooting your barber three times, so uh, yeah. Bad haircut? Don't shoot your barber. And then we spend the majority of the episode focused on how to avoid a 2030 estimate that will see the U.S. have an obesity rate over 50% of the population, hence why we talked about, you know, the Jillian Michaels comments in this introduction. Uh, so without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, this is Water Cooler Talk episode 30 titled American Obesity. Enjoy! This is the story of a podcast that takes weird news from across the world. And while many of these stories may seem fake, they're absolutely not, because they're real. We could start with, what's your, what's your New Year's resolution? What's my New Year's resolution? Okay, I can do that. What's your, what is, <laughs> what's your New Year's resolution then, Lori? My New Year's resolution this year, I usually don't think of resolutions. I think of intentions, and I think of a word. So my word of 2020 is focus. Focus, I like that. Well, are you ready to jump into our first news story of the day? Yes, I am. All right, Lori, before we begin, by the way, we're here with Lori Krause, my aunt. Uh, but before we begin, we're going to need two names on this one. We're going to need a name for an angry Texas father. We're going to need a name for a barber. The Texas barber is going to be Tex. <laughs> Tex the barber? Yeah. What about the angry father? The angry father is going to be Jed. Jed and Tex. Speaking of Jed, the Bachelorette starts tomorrow. Yes, the Bachelor with uh, 
Pilot Pete. I will be watching. All right. This is Dad Angry Over 13-Year-Old's Haircut Shoots Barber Three Times. This is from the Fort Worth Star-Telegram. A Texas father, Jed, angry about his son's haircut, shot the barber Tex three times during an altercation. Tex is listed as stable and is expected to survive. Wyatt Wallace of Harris County Sheriff's Office reported, uh, The father, Jed, went home, came back, they fixed the haircut for free, and then that's when the altercation occurred. A similar situation due to a disapproving haircut occurred in California as well. Ruby Delgadillo, 28, in her Prius, ran over her son's barber after a bad haircut, launching the 63-year-old man through his storefront window and causing major injuries. Um, Laura, you've had many years of hair experience. Have you ever seen a haircut so bad that the barber stylist was deserving of being ran through their window by an angry mom? In a Prius. No, um, not a Prius. Maybe a Volkswagen, but no, I'm just kidding. No, I don't think I've seen. I've seen some pretty bad haircuts, but nothing that deserves harm to the barber stylist. Do you have any good uh, salon stories to share? <laughs> I have lots of salon stories. Well, I could well share. I'll bleep out any names. <laughs> okay. Well, one I do remember is um, one of my co-workers was doing a boy's haircut and the guard fell off of the clipper and instead of hut, uh, the haircut being a half an inch it ended up being right down to the skin Ooh, so, and just like a bald buzz yeah, cut yeah yeah it was it was pretty bad <laughs> <laughs> but um i think it didn't actually look too bad when it was done and like the good Good saying says it grows. Was it like a younger person? It was a younger, probably maybe like a six-year-old boy. Okay. So I'm sure the... he's not standing in front of the mirror every day doing his hair or anything. <laughs> How did the parents respond to that? Um, Not too good. I think they ended up with a few free haircuts after that. But, you know, it was a mistake. They weren't doing it deliberately or anything like that. It wasn't worth three, uh, three gunshot wounds. No, no, not at all. <laughs> not at all. Uh, like working in the industry, like why why do people put so much importance on their hair to the fact that we can run over people have the feel? I mean, obviously, like this Ruby and Jed, obviously, they have more issues outside of just the bad haircut. But that's just the thing that kind of makes them lose their cool. But like, why do people put so much importance on hair? Well, I think it's all part of your self-esteem. I know when my hair looks good, I feel better. And days it doesn't look good, it's almost like you need to apologize. Like, oh, <laughs> my hair looks bad today. And it's a lot. And everybody's doing selfies. And what what's in a selfie? Your hair. So it's always being looked at. It's always being talked about. Um, if you want to have a quick conversation starter, just bring up a new hair product that you're using. Everyone turns their head and says, oh, really? What's that all about? So there's definitely a lot of interest and um, can make you feel great, a good haircut, and it can also make you feel pretty bad. I know, like in my experience, I've talked about this before, but like my hair is really important to me. Like in high school, I used to wake up like two hours early before uh, school every day to work on my hair. I don't know if you remembered, but I had a hair that just went down and curled <laughs> up, uh, which I should have realized that was a bad style at the time. But I used to spend so much time trying to get every one of those curls to be perfect. I used so much hairspray. Like I probably went through a thing of hairspray a month. Like I was like, there's time in like chemistry class when you're working with those like Bunsen burners that I thought my <laughs> hair would just combust. Uh, but yeah, like that's, I think that's a good point. It's like, if you're having a good hair day, 
you're having a good day. If you're not having a good hair day, you're not having a good day. Like we just talked about prior to recording is like, I've been thinking about dyeing my hair blonde. I look like a cool guy <laughs> <laughs> just to give it, but it just like, it gives you a whole new look. Like, you know, well, yeah, your hair, you can express yourself through your hair now with all the different colors and, and cuts and straightening, curling. I mean, there's so many different variables that you can do to change your, your hair and your appearance. Yeah. It's a, it's the one thing, the biggest thing that you can drastically change to completely change who you are. I mean, obviously you can change like your clothes, but outside of getting plastic surgery, it's the biggest thing you can change about yourself. Uh, we talked about kind of that story you had mentioned in your previous salon, but like what's the preferred way as, you know, a stylist for a customer to approach their stylist barber about a potentially bad style or haircut? I think the whole key to it all is communication on both ends. It's not just the stylist communicating, it's also the client communicating what they want done. I know a lot of times people will say, just cut off the bad ends. Well, if I look at the bad ends, it might be three inches and they only want a quarter inch cut. So you might need to pull out a comb that has the measurements on there and show them instead of just going and cutting it. Because if you cut the three inches off, the bad ends, they're going to go home feeling like not that happy because that's not what they're expecting. You mentioned from that story you mentioned, like at the end of the day, hair does grow back. And I think that's an important thing to always remember is like, oh, you know, we tried something or yeah, you, you maybe we had to take off more than you would like, you know, it's going to grow back. Um, obviously, you know, it does, I think, affect your self-esteem a bit to get like a bad haircut. So I think people are like, oh, shoot, you know, now I kind of feel bad about myself that I went and got this haircut. Uh, but yeah, I think communication is such a vital part of like every aspect of life, but especially in something that can provide you so much joy or sadness if you have a horrible haircut. That's true. And I, I prefer when clients bring pictures in because then we're both looking at the same thing and can discuss the same thing. Because if you each would draw a particular item, you'd draw something different. But at least if you have a picture, you're both looking at the same exact thing. Like that's the thing that changed my life is when Aaron Paul became famous and I could just be like taking his haircuts and be like, <laughs> I like that, that haircut looks good on him. So it obviously well, must look good on not me. Not all pictures are doable, but that's what your stylist job is to do too. It's yeah. to discuss, hey, now this person has really, really thick hair and... You could use products to get some thickness, but it's not the end result is not going to be exactly as that photo. Yeah. Have you ever had someone who brought in a photo and it's like, I just can't, you don't have the right situation for this? Yeah. All the, yeah, I have. And have they been just like so headstrong, but you're like, what, how do you, what do you do in that situation? <laughs> well, I guess you, you, I know what they want. So I try to come up with solutions to get, to get them to that. So maybe they'll need some texturizing or maybe some certain products might get it to that a result. So I, I don't try to just come out with a flat no, because um, when you have your heart set on something, hearing no is the last thing you want to hear. I'll come up with some different ideas to my best of my ability. I was just I was just thinking about that. I remember um, reading a story about how like when Friends Friends just got off Netflix, I think, um, by the way, if anyone didn't know that. But I remember when the Jennifer Aniston haircut was super popular and people would bring this in expecting to look like Jennifer Aniston. Kind of what what's the popular? Is there like a popular media cut like some from some show right now? Oh, that's a good question. I'm trying to think of any. I mean, right now, that's anything I mean, just walked on the street. There's not really one particular look, anything kind of kind of goes from 
rainbow colors to uh, the gray, people dyeing their hair gray, looks, um, which sick, I have gray and I don't, <laughs> um, but that's, it's what everybody wants or whatever anybody wants for themselves. So I, I guess I haven't seen any particular, I think that Rachel cut was probably a phenomenon. Like, I, I just don't think we have media like that anymore. Um that like everyone's watching the same thing. Exactly. I'm sorry, maybe like, you know, Game of Thrones and people wanting like white hair or something. Um, and then real quick, I feel like we've been putting it back and forth and maybe people probably know, but what's the difference between a barber and a stylist? Just to kind of get that clear to everyone that's listening. Barbers used to just specialize in men's hair, but now there are barbers that do women's too. And stylists are more uh, men and women's hair, more stylists the styling, not just the cutting. I know, I guess, in my mind, I used to think of a barber um, as where your dad and all the guys went. So and a stylist is more where the rest of the family went. I get that, yeah. Uh, what is it about the haircut experience, the one-on-one with your barber stylist that makes a client tend to be so gossipy? Uh, creating the idea of that like salon talk. <laughs> oh, gossipy. Really? Is that what we do? I don't know. I feel like like whenever I go in, it's like I just feel gossipy. Oh, really? Or when like oh. you see all, like maybe this is like older shows, but all the ladies and like the hair dryers gossiping about life. <laughs> Oh, well, gosh, I've been doing hair for over 30 years. So I've, in fact, it's fun to, funny to even call my clients clients because they're more friends. So I don't feel gossipy. I feel like more just being with the good friend and discussing life and, and catching up. Talking and, about yeah. things friends would talk about. Yeah. It's kind of funny when um, you hear those stories about like people going in with their um, stylist or barber and it's just like an awkward silence the entire time. <laughs> I think that's you going back to kind of what we talked about with the hairstyle being such a big important factor and how you feel. I think the person doing it is like, oh, you kind of connect with that person. You're like, hey, you're making me feel really good about myself. So I feel good about you. And there's that like trust level there. Definitely. Trust is a very, very key part of the whole experience. On both sides. And I trust, too. I want people, my clients, to tell me and communicate to me if they're not happy or if I didn't do something quite the way they didn't want to. Because you're always trying to build relationships. And and sometimes people don't come back. And I don't know why. Or is it something I did or didn't do? And it'd be really nice for a stylist to learn and to grow if um, people would give feedback. But I know that's a really touchy, touchy ground for a lot of people to do. They feel like they'll hurt your feelings, but yet I'd rather see it as a growing experience. That's a good point because yeah, it's like, oh, this um, Ruby or Jed, I mean, they could have just communicated. They could have been next time, hey, we're going to fix it. But instead they decided to um, shoot their barber and run him over with a Prius. Uh, every stylist I know would be happy to fix an issue or a problem. Well, yeah, and it's just, like it's a skill. It's like you can only get better by learning and failing and getting better and learning how to be better and being more honest with yourself. So I think, yeah, that's important. Just be like, hey, this is what I didn't like about it. And next time, this is how we can fix it. Uh, and then finally, what advice can you give to those up and comers in the hair game? <laughs> up and comers, who, who would that be? Just like new people who want to be stylists. I mean, you've been doing it for 30 years. You have a wealth, wealth, a well, a well of wealth, <laughs> a well of wealth. Oh, I guess there's just so many 
fun things to do in the industry, and it's constantly changing. And I think that's what um, lures a lot of people to it. Um, they're to be creative, and um, it's not just punching numbers on a calculator every day. It's um, developing relationships, expressing creativity. Uh, so I would I would say just embrace that, and you're constantly looking at trends, following trends, and um, I don't know. I guess that it's 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 a fun industry. It, yeah, it's I definitely can agree with that. Um, I I can't agree with that because I'm not in the hair industry, <laughs> but I can understand what you're saying. Um, and I think the also the other good piece of advice is uh, make sure to get a lot of magazine subscriptions. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You do. I would like to welcome to the show business owner, fitness enthusiast, and all around fun gal Lori Krause. Lori, welcome to the show. Thanks, Adam. Uh, you had a very special invite, uh, actually the first formal <laughs> invite in the history of the show. How do you feel now that we're one story deep into your first podcast experience? How do you feel? I'm feeling good. I'm very excited and honored to to be here and to get the first official invite. Um, not to say that I wasn't waiting for quite some time for the invite. Well, I wanted to make it special. And I think, I think, I think it was a very special thing. It was very special. Uh, um, if you want to share it, you can. We don't. You can keep it to ourselves if you want. Um, I can share parts of it. Yeah, go ahead. Um, Adam surprised me with a gift at Christmas um, and a case of very wonderful bath bombs. Well, for a little background, you always host Christmas Eve. Yes. Call it Lori's Eve. <laughs> Lori's and Eve. also cookie decorating. We do cookie decorating and you put in a lot of work with this thing. It's like we all very much enjoy it. It's the one holiday I'm most excited for outside of my birthday, of course. <laughs> of course. But we just kind of wanted to say thank you for all like the work you've done. But anyways, for the past two years, we've kind of had this ball um, and it's had these gifts in it. We go around and we play this game and there's like bath bombs in there. And at the end of this game, you kind of can roll dice, you can steal presents, and Lori would always steal the bath bombs, just to an excessive amount. Uh, so I ended up, yeah, I wanted to give you a gift, kind of saying thank you for putting this all together, and it was, yeah, some bath bombs. First of all, Adam, there's no excessive amount of bath bombs. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, in that, I also gave you a little scroll inviting you to the show, and yeah, it's, yeah. <laughs> that's on video somewhere. Uh, that is, yes, and there was a lot of words on there was a lot yes. of words in there. Uh, you had mentioned you are a frequent podcast listener, as always, as we always try to strive to improve our content, and I'm sure many other podcasters do as well. For you, what sets certain podcasts apart for, like, I want to listen to this podcast compared to that podcast? The information, how it pertains to me. Um, I like to listen to a lot of healthy podcasts where um, different tips on um, health, fitness, exercising. Also, how you connect with the podcast host. It's amazing how much information is out there and how much you can learn while taking a bath with wonderful bath bombs. <laughs> um, so I, I really enjoy podcasts. So I was honored to be asked to be on Water Cooler Talk. Oh, we love to hear it. Uh, now we're now in 2020 is upon us. Last year, we brought your son on the show for our New Year's uh, episode. Uh, we talked about New Year's resolutions and that. I had mentioned I'm not a huge believer in the New Year fiasco. Being very involved in like fitness-related activities and gym habits being one of the bigger resolutions people tend to have. How do you view New Year's, the resolutions, the whole idea of this fresh start 
like located around or focused around one day? Um, I think it's great for everyone to get a fresh start, um, but I don't necessarily think it has to be on January 1st. I think you can start your um, fresh start whatever day you pick. For some people, it's every Monday they're going to start again. So that's that's not necessarily the best. But I think it's just it's a great mindset to have is just kind of clean out the old and, and embrace the new to come. I, I 100% agree with that. I'm in that same mindset of like, why are you waiting until that day to change? Just do it today. Uh, but I do understand how people are like, you know, it's like, some people, it takes them like being in a group to want to do something to change or they're like would feel more comfortable going to work out with someone. So I can I understand like the herd mindset of, oh, everyone's going to do it. So we're all doing this together. And then finally, a good question I found to connect generations and give a sense of how we like kind of had may have had like different values at the same age. I'm turning 25 this year. What were you doing when you were 25? <laughs> When I was 25, what was life back then? <laughs> I was engaged, working, living at home with a curfew, 2 a.m. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, man. I was, I think I graduated from college maybe then. That's really sad that I have to really think of what I was doing at 25. I'm sure I was very responsible. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's like the thing. It's like. Now I'm having friends being engaged and starting their careers. And it's just such a interesting thing to see kind of the different mindset. Or I've asked my mom and my dad that same question on how life is like. We have like the same idea of how the world works, but the world around us is so different. And we have these different values that we, you know, obviously value. Yeah. That's true. I definitely see the world differently in my age now than I did back in 25. I'm 25, I guess, you're looking forward to starting a career. And now I've been in a career for a while. So some days I'm super proud and give myself a pat on the back. And other days I'm like, dang, I wish I could go back to that time and maybe try things a little bit differently. Well, what advice do you have for any upcoming 25-year-olds? Oh, boy. Or 22-year-olds. Sam, <laughs> Sam is turning yeah, 22. Yeah, that's true. Um, I think um, this generation is so lucky because there's so much more information at your fingertips, which also can be overwhelming. But there's so many more ways to, to research and to try things. And people are just so open of um, sharing information, I think. Or at least it's more easy to obtain information than it was when I was younger. Yeah, I think in the for me, the biggest thing that I want to say to everyone is just kind of slow down a bit. Really think before you decide to do something. Obviously, there needs to be that, like, you need to trust your gut, but also, you know, sometimes you just need to kind of think through a situation and really get a good understanding of your next step. I, I think that's very good advice. Um, and by the way, um, just to make it clear to everyone listening, Sam, who was our last year's episode for New Year's, that is your son. Yes. I just want to make that very clear. Yes. All right. Are you ready him. to jump into our next news story? Yes, I am. Nearly half of U.S. population will be obese by 2030. This is from the United Press International Health News. Researchers at T.H. Chan School of Public Health at Harvard University uh, say nearly half of all Americans will be obese within the next 10 years. Based from BMI, someone who has a BMI of 30 or higher is considered obese and has a greater risk of developing additional health problems. A healthy BMI is around 24, BMI being body max index. The current analysis estimates that 40% or 130 million people 
are obese in the U.S. currently. Uh, that is more than the entire population of the states of California, Texas, Florida, New York, and Pennsylvania combined. The analysis used BMI data from more than 6.2 million adults who participated in the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention's Behavioral Risk Factor Surveillance System Survey, uh, which took place between 1993 and 2016. The findings also predicted that severe obesity, a BMI above 35, will be the most common BMI category for women, non-Hispanic black adults, and those with annual incomes below $50,000. Uh, Laurie, what do you what do you believe is the cause, or what do you believe is causing the increase in obesity in the U.S.? I think there's many factors that's the cause of this. Um, number one, portion size. What we think in our mind is the right portion. And I know at one point I actually was weighing all my food, and it was very surprising for me to see what I th- pictured in my mind um, was the right serving size. Really, once you put it on a scale was quite different. I also think that inactivity is a a big cause of it. And I understand people are busier than ever. Parents are busier than ever. Um, Kids are busy. But to get outside and play isn't the same as it used to be when I was young. Yeah. And as far as like portion control, you know, I know people from, you know, obviously from Europe, uh, our audience is from Europe. Yeah. When they talk about U.S. portions, they're like, holy shit, this is like a lot of food. You guys are eating a lot of food. And I can understand this obesity. Probably heard the title of this story and they're like, that makes sense. And I think, you know, as far as like why we eat so much, I feel like our just food isn't as nutrient and there's just everything we eat we're eating a lot more like saturated fats and sugars and stuff of that nature it's not filling us the way it should be filling us um, whereas we should be eating a lot more you know if we ate a lot more cleaner and introduce like a lot more water into our diet we can kind of balance out those portions but i also like what you said kind of about inactivity as well it's like we've come to this like there's this fear like right now people are talking about world war three with iran and stuff like that there's this fear mongering by kind of the media a lot of the times and parents are afraid to let their kids go out because they think you know something bad's going to happen to them so yeah they don't have that option to run around or play on their bikes or play sports or play cool stuff in the house or do whatever it may be and they end up sitting inside watching TV because it the, to the parents that feels safer and they're kind of inevitably 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 <laughs> is that a word inadvertently inadvertently <laughs> yes there it is there it is we get to it eventually uh hurting their kids by trying to protect them but there's so much out there for kids to do and i mean as much as everyone puts down social media there's plenty of different things exercise programs for both kids and adults that they can do right in their home and um, I know kids are pretty good with their tablets and phones that they could look it up and even just being active for 20 minutes. Yeah, it makes, would, it, it makes um, a huge yes. difference. And you, you know, being a lunch lady, there's obviously the, you know, most kids are getting there. When, when we talk about like obesity, a lot of this is kids becoming obese and then turning into adults that become obese and then their kids coming obese. Like what are schools doing to really fight this issue? Um, I think um, parents would probably be surprised how many healthy options there are for children at school. Not just French fries and hot dogs. We do serve a lot of healthy options. And a lot of the kids are are really happy with 
the options we have and are willing to try different things. Um, it's tough when people label it as junk food or school lunches are bad, and that's that's really hard to overcome. So I think it would help at home if parents talked talked about school lunches as more healthy and maybe go over the menus and look and see what we're serving. It creates such a different human to have a healthy diet. Like I'm someone who I struggled last year with lactose intolerance and gluten sensitivity. And I was always like really just low energy and, you know, cloudy mind. And like I was struggling to be, you know, productive. And then I changed my diet. I got on a healthy diet and it completely, it was like a 180 turn. I was like, I had more energy. I felt like doing more stuff. I felt like me. So it's, yeah, I think that's a very important thing for parents to really sit down even look at their own diet and be like, hey, how can we eat more healthier? How can we live more healthier and have the benefits of that? Because yeah, if you're getting to the point where you're at that obesity level, like you're having more health concerns. That's the scary part of it all. It's hard to make changes and change is scary, but the outlook of obesity, that's even scarier yet, I guess, to be as healthy as you can and try to make the right food choices. Although, I know it's hard and it does take work, but the benefit outweighs outweighs all of that. It is. And that's I think that's what people don't realize. Because yeah, when you really look down at it, it's like, oh, you know, to eat healthy, I have to go grocery shopping every week and I have to cook all the food myself or I have to buy like a meal plan that's probably, you know, a little more expensive where I can just go to McDonald's real quick. Like I just worked 40 hour week. I just want something real quick. And I think you people get into that kind of, some people kind of get into that routine of, well, they're very stressed out at work. So that's, they bring that stress into their home life. And then they're like, I don't want to eat clean. I just want something quick. I don't have to worry about stress about eating healthy and trying to cook and trying to go shopping. And we get into that like bad habit of going out and doing, you know, fast food every other day. Over time, you're kind of fucked at the end when you're, <laughs> you know, have high cholesterol, high blood pressure, and you're dying an early death because you couldn't f find that balance. I think if families also uh, maybe let each kid choose a meal that they want and go shopping for it. And I know it's the time constraints again, but let the kids have involvement in it. Because as a parent, if you involve your kids, you're going to take more involvement. And what a great way to um, all be on the same page as far as eating healthy and family time too. And for all the white people out there, there's more <laughs> spices than just uh, salt and pepper. So, I mean, just like coming up with like more creative ways to serve like healthy foods that taste good. And then is it possible we're in this like body positivity movement? Is it possible to be accepting of all body types while still pushing a healthy lifestyle? Or do we need to move away from the idea of body positivity? Oh, boy, that's a really good question. Um, I've been, well, I work out at a gym at least six six days a week, and I see all body shapes. I, I just think the judging of body types is not good. <laughs> I think that's just, it's hard, though, because that's what our society does. It judges everything, but you can't judge a book by the cover. I think that's a very good way to put it. And, you know, at least just for my personal opinion, like, you know what? If you're comfortable where you're at and you're healthy, I think As that's the healthy. I think thing. is it's the like, key. Like the key if point you're to it. underweight, if you're overweight, and you're not healthy and you're hurting yourself, then that's a problem. I'm right. not going to say right. I can accept your body. You're putting yourself at 
danger. And that's just not healthy. I can't just say, oh, yeah, I'm okay with you hurting yourself. Um, I think, you know, if people kind of looked at it as that instead, like you're hurting yourself because you're putting yourself in these unhealthy practices, people would be like, you know what? Yeah, you do need to change. But I think if you're at a place where you're healthy, where you're comfortable with what your body's at, whether it be, you know, a little underweight, a little overweight, whatever it may be, and you feel good about yourself, why why would I be somebody to judge you? Right. I right. think that's it. The judgment needs to come from yourself and not others. Yeah, and I, I just think it's the point where it gets to a point where it's unhealthy, where we can't just be accepting of everyone. And then it said, obesity is said to cost from 147 to 210 billion dollars per year in healthcare costs. What can be done and how can we be more responsible about our health in the next decade? Oh yeah, the healthcare of it all is just so scary. More than I think people realize. I remember reading that one pound, if you lose one pound, it takes three pounds of pressure off your knees. I know a lot of people suffer from bad knees and you think maybe just five pounds, that's 15 pounds of pressure you're taking off your knees. Doing that step might prevent a further uh, knee surgery down the road or, or an injury. So, yeah, I don't have any answers on how to fix the whole healthcare crisis, but a lot of it is because of our nutrition choices. And I think it's, yeah, wanting to realize that because like as as a young guy right now, I'm like, oh, I can do anything. I can recover from injuries a lot quicker. But it's like there's things I have to be aware of. I've been trying to work on the past few weeks is my posture and just getting better posture. So eventually down the line when I'm like, as I say that, I'm <laughs> correcting my posture. Uh, but like down the line, I want to be able to have like a healthy spine, healthy shoulders, and posture is such a big part of that, or posture is such a big part of speaking and being able to, you know, bring air from your diaphragm. So working on that and realizing that there is consequences for what I'm doing now, I think like a good example, like I've heard is like, it's your teeth, like your teeth. If you don't take care of your teeth now, you're going to be some gummy old person <laughs> later in life. So that's like the same with health. It's like, right. take care of yourself yes. now, you know, why you have the option while you're not bedridden or injured and you know it's going to help later down the line like you know we both know Schultze she was a she got to a very old age in her life she was a very healthy woman very her healthy whole life woman, yes. and because of that she lived a very healthy elder life um, so I think it's very important that you kind of take care of yourself now take the time I mean it's the new year I know right yeah we're not too much into that <laughs> but maybe this is your opportunity to say sit down look at your diet look at kind of what ways you can fit in a little more healthier lifestyle you know maybe don't mcdonald's i don't want mcdonald's to sue me don't sue me McDonald's. <laughs> uh, but you know there's healthy places out there that um, i know they're a little more expensive but that i think that's the important thing is like eating healthier is a little more expensive but in the long run, it'll probably save you tons of money in healthcare costs. I think you know we talk. It's 147 to 210 billion dollars per year in healthcare costs. Like I think paying three extra dollars for something, three to four extra dollars for something fresh, is well worth the insane cost later in life. I agree, definitely. And then Lori, before we finally move on, in that study, they mentioned that women 
will be their most common BMI will be above 35 in 2030. Why do you think women tend to be in this category over men? Well, I know we all joke um, a man puts an intention towards nutrition and 20 pounds are lost is where a woman puts that same intention to nutrition and we lose maybe 20 ounces. So um, it seems that men um, can take off weight or, or stay healthier than women. Plus, being a mom and uh, going through pregnancy, it's it's does a lot to your body and it's hard to to bounce back after delivering a baby. So I think that's where some of the women's weight gain or whatever is. Also, all the hormones with women, which, um, Adam, I don't know if you know about all those women hormones, but that also plays a <laughs> big factor into women and metabolism. Yeah, I mean, I'm educated on women's <laughs> hormones, but I, yeah, I, I don't experience them, you know. Um, but yeah, I would imagine, I, I don't know if this is true, I'll have to fact check this, but I would think men maybe have a higher metabolism. That may be a completely... Testosterone. Is that how you say that one? Testosterone. 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 (laughs) Than women. Um, But yeah, I think the childbirth thing is also a big thing. And I think that women tend to have obviously more pressure on how they exactly, look. Exactly, I think. And yeah. a lot of... There's a higher standard, I think. Yeah, there's a higher a standard woman. of beauty for women. Like, like I can just roll out of bed and comb <laughs> my hair and I'm ready to go. Whereas for a woman, that's a little tougher, which I'm so glad I'm not a woman because of that. And like other factors, I like being a man. I also like <laughs> women. Um, but I think that's a good point on there's like this such higher standard of beauty for women that there's so much pressure and sometimes you just fall under that amount of pressure and you get to a point where it's, you know, a lot of women tend to have eating disorders because of this intense pressure and you get more women being, you know, either more underweight or more overweight because we have this ideal beauty and then they kind of get screwed over. And I also think um, a lot of women are always their moms, their wives, their housekeepers. They pretty much give, 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 and don't give to themselves. Don't give themselves time to go exercise. They feel maybe guilty about taking the time away from their family or their career to do it. So um, I think that might have a part to play in it too. Yeah, that's actually a really good point. Lori, thank you for taking the time to share. (coughs) Oh my God, sorry. I'm not healthy. Uh, Lori, thank you for taking the time to share your perspective on some of the strangest and most interesting news stories the world has to offer in a fun and meaningful discussion. Uh, I want to take this opportunity to say thank you to you. Um, You were a very vital part of, or you provided such an opening and loving home during the summers growing up for my childhood. And I thank you for like giving me that childhood summers like you read about in movies and books where kids are like going to water parks and going to the beach and going to summer camps and, you know, doing fun things with their cousin. We don't need to go into any of the things we did, <laughs> uh, but I want to thank you for that. And I want to thank you for providing, you know, a safe space, providing us good, healthy food that we could be healthy kids. Um, and then also, I think the most important thing is giving us a space to be creatively independent. You know, one of the favorite things I liked about, you know, the summers um, at your house was going to like the library and getting all those, you know, reading comic books and reading storybooks. And for something like for me, a book is such an escapism to go to this fantasy land and just be able to be, you know, happy. And I think that started with 
going to the library with you and you bring us to the library and just giving us the creative, me and Sam, the creative uh, freedom to kind of be ourselves and or giving us a space to be ourselves and i very much appreciate that from all the fun games we did once again we don't need to go into any details <laughs> of the Adam, things i need to I all right feel I the will, need. <laughs> i'll let you share any story just one story oh just one um, story but i just want to say thank you for well, providing us that, a safe space and you know i might have not have realized how important it was back then but i do now and it's was such a vital part of establishing who I am and what I do. So thank you. Well, I appreciate that. And I it was awesome um, having Sam grow up with you and Josh around. I know we used to, I used to bring you to those little camps um, where you would be pirates and everything. And then you and Sam would make lists of what you wanted to do in the summer. And you only get one story. <laughs> so choose wisely. And that was just so fun. That was kids, what I think, being kids. And and the best story was the pet shop. They had all my beanie babies lined up. Sam and Adam did. And um, they did not speak. They just barked. <laughs> and we were re- very young, by the way. <laughs> this was not yesterday. And I remember my clients saying, I didn't know you got a dog. And I said, I didn't. That's just Sam and Adam playing pet shop today. The next day they would play restaurant. And it, w- it was great. And um, I'm just, I'm happy that you had good memories of growing yeah, no, up. And I was a part of it. Thank you for providing that. Uh, And as always, thank you to all my listeners for listening to another episode of Water Cooler Talk, the only such podcast on the internet hosted by myself and guest hosted today by my Aunt Lori, where we take the strangest and most interesting real life news stories from around the world and just try and have a good old conversation about some of the ideas discussed in those bizarre news stories. Once again, if you would like to reach out to the show with a strange local news story, or if you just want to share some of your own comments, you can do so at watercoolertalkpod at gmail.com. Lori, it is tradition around here for the guests to close out the show any way they feel fit. (laughs) So I will give the floor to you. Well, I was going to sing, but um, that doesn't go over too well. So I just want to thank you for inviting me in such a a personal, uh, meaningful way. And I'm just in awe of what you do. Um, I will admit, before I came here, I didn't know how intense this is and and what a great job you're, you're doing. And I'm very, very, very proud of you. I want to, it's, I don't think, I don't want to put off the idea that's intense. Well, not intense, but it involved. Can I it's change very, it to involved? It's, it's very involved. I think yes. that's a good way, but I've been getting at better at understanding the guest side of it on, you know, like I've been doing this for seven years now and like I've become comfortable in this aspect and I understand it's not a comfortable thing or it's not a common thing to be comfortable and it's, it takes a lot. You know, I talked about this before. It's like, I very thankful that the guests want to come in and have this conversation and kind of can step a little bit out of their comfort zone. And that really means a lot to me that people are continually wanting to do that. But I do I do understand that for people that haven't been doing this for seven years, it is right. it is a it's a big mountain to climb. So I appreciate like it takes a lot of guts to come here. And well, I can see your comfort and I admire it. I talk all day long. I talk from <laughs> 6 a.m. to 9 p.m. So I thought, oh, water cooler talk. I can talk. I do it all day. But um, it's it's a lot more involved <laughs> than I thought. And I'd so like to think I, I appreciate you your know, guidance. try my best to create as comfortable atmosphere as possible, you know, compared to other shows. But yeah, it's still you're getting over that hump of, you know, like we talked about 
about. Like we can have a conversation just me and you, but once you get the mics involved, right. it's a whole different story. And so I, I guess you understand have to that. Have me back on again. And, and <laughs> I'll just have hidden mics around. <laughs> exactly. All right. Well, Lori, thank you very much for coming in today, and we will see you guys in who knows i don't know i don't want to keep putting out dates and then not hitting them so we'll see you next episode when the next episode comes out all right peace peace this is the story of a podcast that takes weird news from across the world and while many of these stories may seem fake they're absolutely not because they're real hey baby you ready for some corrections well you came to the right place Today's episode, generally free of corrections, a solid start to the new year. Uh, let's jump right into it. In story two, I had mentioned that children tend to be leading the charge in obesity. To expand on that statement a bit more, according to the CDC, who also ran the study we discussed in this episode, 18.5% of children between the age of 12 to 19 will end up obese with Hispanics and non-Hispanic blacks having a higher majority. In my response to my claim of men having a higher metabolism, it is true. Men are built to burn fat much more easily because of a higher amount of lean muscle mass and a naturally higher metabolic rate. And then finally, for today's corrections, we had mentioned the ideas around body positivity towards women. I even uh, you know, added on to the intro with the Jillian Michaels-Lizzo controversy. But I wanted to point out that the National Eating Disorder Association indicates that it is about a 10 to 1 ratio of women to men that have some sort of eating disorder. You know, as I talk about in the intro, in the episode, I can only share my perspective as a man and being a male and supporting men's health. The stats also mention that men tend to underreport an eating disorder because of being ashamed of suffering from something thought only to impact women, with many men trying to pass off dangerous eating disorders as trying to quote unquote stay in shape with using exercise and excessive dieting. You know, as we talk about a lot on the show, we talked about it a lot on our male vulnerability episode. It is okay to be vulnerable. Most eating disorders last anywhere from 1 to 15 years. This is not something you need to fight alone or try and bottle up. Find support. People people are out there to help. All right, Water Coolians, that's another Correction Corner. Thank you for taking the time out of your day to listen to another episode of Water Cooler Talk. And as always, that's your corrections. That's your episode. So get out of here. This is the story of a podcast that takes weird news from across the world. And while many of these stories may seem fake, they're absolutely not, because they're real.